0: Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Coach, we've got another guest, and, and this one you're going to be very familiar with. Uh, this is a guy who has a similar background to you, obviously attended the same school, but uh, finds himself dealing with the same set of problems that you are in this craziness that is 2020. Coach, tell everyone about our guests on tonight's podcast.
1: So tonight we have uh, Drew Marichello, uh, the uh, athletic director for Boston University, former football player at Wesleyan University, former college coach at uh, both uh, uh, RPI and the union. Um, and, uh, uh, again, worked his way into athletic administration, uh, off of, uh, coaching and, uh, became the uh, deputy AD at Boston university. And then seven years ago became the, uh, AD at Boston university. He's done a fantastic job. He's a close friend, mentor, and, uh, didn't know him. Uh, obviously I was before him. Uh, but, uh, you know, we 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 obviously uh, travel in the same circles in both coaching and and administration, and uh, um, has been someone that I've really enjoyed uh, reconnecting with. Uh, you know, since I've came back from Wesley in 2010. Again, good friend, good colleague, someone I uh, always pick up the phone and, and talk to, and and obviously through this whole COVID times, uh, we've uh, you know uh, you know spent time uh, you know uh, just just uh, talking about you know each other's problems and providing advice. And, and even though he's at the division one level and I'm at the division three level, our problems are still very similar. So, uh, he's, 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 really a good friend and I'm looking forward to this interview.
0: So we're going to, we're going to catch up with class of 91, former Wesleyan football player, and current athletic director of Boston university, Drew Marichello. He's coming right up, but first things first, we got to bring in the man behind the man behind the man. He is the producer of, Mike O'Brien. He's going to tell everyone how they can stay connected with Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score.
1: Those of you that are new to the podcast, uh, you can follow us on social media, and we're on uh, Wesleyan Athletics is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, you can also find the podcast on the Athletics website, the Wesleyan University SoundCloud channel, and we're on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're also looking for feedback and ways to improve the podcast or any interview suggestions. Uh, so if you're not on social media and would like to reach us. You can email athletics at Wesleyan.edu. And Chris, I just got to say, we've got a fantastic library going right now. Oh, we've yeah. got some, you know, from, from Jed Hoyer to Eric Mangini to Jen Apple. Well, we've got some fan. we've had some fantastic guests. So if you haven't had the opportunity, go, go back and check. They're all there. Um, you know, they're, 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 uh, you know, great people from Wesleyan university that, uh, you know, we've had the opportunity to connect with them have been so, uh, to spend time with us, and, and again, really looking forward to spending time with Drew tonight.
0: And you know, Coach, real quick, you know, this is a shameless plug, but I'm going here. Um, you know, we'll call it our Black Friday special. The first person that listens to this podcast that tweets to me directly at ChrisGrace82, that's at ChrisGrace82 on Twitter, I'm going to make the necessary moves to to get them a signed 8x10 of one of, if not both, Chris and or Coach, and maybe even Mike O'Brien. That's what I'm going to do to the first person that tweets to me at ChrisGrace82. And
1: I'll throw in a Wesleyan t-shirt we can send to him.
0: Perfect. Look at that. Wes t-shirt and an 8x10 of Coach doesn't get any better than that. Only thing that could possibly top that is our guest tonight, class of 1991 current athletic director, at Boston University and a Cardinal legend, Drew Marichello, coming up right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, your only Wesleyan University Athletics podcast. Once again, Coach, we've got another great guest. We've got another guy who's very familiar with Wesleyan Athletics and Athletics at Large, class of 91, Drew Marichello is with us. He is the current Athletic Director at Boston University, and he's, he is a former wide receiver slash lead blocker on the Wesleyan University football team. Drew, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you with us.
2: Good to be with you guys. Good to be here.
0: So, so Drew, you know, uh, what we like to do each week is kind of, you know, find out how our guests ended up in Middletown and ended up Cardinals. So if you can kind of walk us through kind of, you know, the steps leading up to your ending up uh, as a Cardinal and kind of your thought process and, you know, the beginning of your Cardinal career?
2: Well, I think Mike will attest that recruiting back in the mid, late eighties was a lot different than it is now. And I was somewhat of a late bloomer, um, was trying to figure out where, you know, exactly where I wanted to go junior year and trying to figure out if I was wanting to play baseball, and or football uh, in college. And, you know, I had, like everybody else, a list of schools and a list of schools that I was hoping to uh, hoping to play at, hoping to get in. Um, some Ivies and some Neskaks, basically. That was predominantly the list. Uh, my senior year, before my senior year, I went to a camp, All-American football camp. And Mike will know this name very well there was a guy named Steve Sorkin and Sork was at the University of Pennsylvania or had just left Penn I forget um, but he had said to me you know talk to me about your grades and talk to me about what you're looking at I told him he says well I think you can I think you can play at U penn he says but I want to introduce you to somebody who's the head coach at Westland uh, which is where I went speaking for Sorkin and he introduced me to coach Mac um, who was the camp director Mike I don't know if you ever worked that camp but I, I um, was there I was at that camp I can't remember I can't believe you don't remember the story then um, but he, <laughs> he actually uh, he introduced me to Mac and you know Mac was quite a character and I was taken with with Mac and learned you know I, I of course knew where Wesleyan was and what it was and it wasn't on my list though so to speak. Um, so we kept in touch, and got Max' handwritten red pen notes throughout, um, and took some visits. Again, trying to decide where I wanted to go, um, but I was I was torn, um, and I was torn. I really wanted to go play in the Ivy League, and I thought I was going to end up at Dartmouth, and that didn't work out. Um, and I remember. Exploring all these options and, and looking at, you know, Tufts was where I think I probably wanted to go next. And I remember my mother didn't want me to go to Tufts uh, because it was only about four miles from where I grew up, and she wanted me to have a little bit more uh, of a breadth of an experience, um, not just in the circle of where I where I grew up in the, in the Boston area. Um, but I I I can't say that I was, hey, I'm all sold on Wesleyan, and um, I was still deliberating. I was thinking about going to prep school and played for a baseball coach who was an old, crusty baseball coach in high school, wonderful guy. Uh, and at the same time, he was a tough character. And he had sent uh, two of his kids to Dartmouth and two of his kids to Amherst. And all four, I believe, went to Exeter. And that's where I was kind of looking at. And I remember saying to him, Coach, I, you know, I want to, I want to look at the prep route because I want to go a different route. And uh, he said to me, and he, he set me up perfectly. He said, uh, tell me again where your mother went to school. And I said, uh, she went, she just finished recently as a night student. And he said, "And tell me again where your father went to school. And I said, uh, Somerville High. That's it. And he said, and so they, they, your mother went back to school late in life or relatively late in life, not out of high school. And your father didn't go. Um, And Wesleyan is giving you no financial aid, right? I said, no, coach, it's actually a really, it's a pretty good package that they're putting together. And he said, and you're going to tell them no. And he walked away from me. And that just kind of hit me right between the eyes of, you know, they wanted me, Coach Mack wanted me to come and, I'm, I'm looking at a school saying, I'm I'm, I'm not going to go there. And I, I said, no, that, that just made up my mind right there. It was kind of a, an epiphany. Decided to go. Um, Coach Mack, Wales, you'll remember the situation better than I do. I don't remember dates. I just remember getting a note that Coach Mack sometime in June was not back. Um, it was late, you know, May, June, and we had already committed, and you're going, and then you find out that there's – a new coach coming, um, again, it was a different time, right? It was a different time. People didn't, didn't kind of revoke their commitments and so forth. And, you know, we were, we didn't know much of the situation, but I knew that I was going to go play for a guy who, um, who didn't recruit me. Um, and I had never heard of him and that was, they just hired Kevin Spencer, who was a, who was a coach at Ithaca college at the time. That's how I ended up there. Um, I loved everything about Coach Spencer. He became um, one of the most influential people in my life. We were very close. Uh, Chris, you joked as we were coming on the air about lead Blocker. The only thing I changed is we did run this godforsaken offense for two years. That uh, I think I think he would change it too because we didn't throw the ball a heck of a lot. But ended up playing and having a great, rewarding experience um, you know, playing for Coach. And and uh, you know I still feel I still feel very strongly that Coach Mack, and I know the guys who played for him just thought the world of him. Um, But I I still feel very, very strongly about the influence he had over me, even though I didn't play one down for him. Um, Because I just think about the different path that, um, you know, the different path that my life would have taken had this guy not started the recruiting process at All-American Football Camp. And I know that there's been this scholarship that's been endowed in his name and um you know, i i feel strongly about those endeavors anyway uh, but i feel i feel akin to him you know, i feel connected to coach uh, just because of you know,
1: really the opportunity that he gave me even though i never played it down for him yeah that really uh you know i think it speaks volumes of of the impact that that coach Mack had on on uh you know everyone that came and played for him i mean uh, you know, were you, were you, the way you described the the recruiting process was was spot on, Drew. In terms of the handwritten notes, the, you know, just the uh, you know, walking to the cottage and and having the opportunity to to meet him and the other, you know, Costi and the other guys on the staff, and you know, it was just it was unique. It, there was it was it was very different than going to Williams or Amherst or you know Ivy League schools. And and uh, you know, I mean, Mac had such a profound uh, influence on all of us. Um, the one thing, though, um, you know, I, 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 I would you know, like to hear your response to, you know, being a, a receiver is, uh, you know, when, when Coach Spencer came to West, arguably Wesleyan had the best quarterback, the best throwing quarterback in the NESCAC in Jimmy Lukowski, right? I don't think it was arguably,
2: to be honest. I, um, Jimmy was a, a unique talent, uh, great baseball player, great football player. He could have absolutely played up a level. He was a junior when I was a freshman. um, And we're still in touch to this day, as I know you are too, Mike. Um, But I would say that Coach ran an offense that he was familiar with. And I'm not putting words in his mouth. He probably would have done something different um, if he could do it all over again. But I remember, uh, you know, I I was – I was, I think, second on the depth chart as a, you know, the first day of camp. And I was running with the second team, which I thought was kind of, you know, was, was good as a freshman. Um, and I remember some somebody didn't run in for the for the first string. And I took the spot just said, well, I'm hopping in. I hopped in the huddle and uh, I made a catch. And I just said, they didn't take me out of the first string. They ended up moving Jimmy Maynard over to a different position. And, um, you know, my my mind's a little cloudy, but I remember that because it segs into the veer because we had to block, right? And I think I might have blocked five times in high school because I just (laughs) couldn't have cared less about it. I wanted to catch the ball, typical receiver. And we scrimmaged, I want to say we scrimmaged Middlebury and again, now I'm in the lineup as a freshman, and Luke threw me two outcuts, and I dropped them both. My first two passes in a, in a scrimmage, I dropped them both. So I have one choice right now, and that is to block to stay in the lineup. So I became a, a pretty good blocker on uh, the very next play, just because they said, "Well, I'm not, I'm not coming out of the lineup." But we didn't throw the ball a heck of a lot, but he he could uh, he could play, and he would have been. You know, you look at all these stats that guys have now. I mean, you know, we're throwing the ball 12 times a
1: game. If Jimmy was throwing the ball 60 times a game, it would have been unbelievable. And he could run. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, for those viewers that don't know, I mean, Coach Spencer ended up leaving Wesleyan. And then uh, he's been in the NFL for, I mean, how many years, Drew? So he he left um, after my senior
2: year of playing, which would have been 90, Coach 91. And then he left, I believe, in '91 to go to Cleveland with Coach Belichick. Um, went to the Raiders, went to the Colts, uh, ended up with the Patriots, San Diego. He bounced around. Mike, it was 25 years by the time it was done. And I know he's coaching at a at a high school now in San Diego. Um, but no, he he did a he did a really good job. I think, you know, he he uh, he's a really good coach, and I was glad because he did have a tough path following Mac, uh, who was just beloved. Um, but Coach, you know, he forged his own path. It's, it, it wasn't it wasn't an unbelievable success at Wesleyan, but again, I think he proved what a great coach he was by being, I think he was Special Teams Coach of the Year in the NFL one we year. So he's, yeah. uh, he's a tremendous coach, and like I said, just a tremendous, uh, tremendous mentor to me.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box score, along with the coach, current Wesleyan Athletic Director, Mike Whalen. I'm Chris Grace with you as always. Today we have another athletic, another athletic director with us. Class of '91, Drew Marichello is with us. Drew, it's just finished talking about uh, his athletic career at Wesley. Now, Drew, what I'd like to know is, I know that after playing, you went into coaching, and that's kind of a path very familiar to a lot of athletic directors, including one I know very well. When you were at Wesley and as a Cardinal, did you know that you wanted to become a coach? Or was that something that you kind of you kind of fell into?
2: I thought I wanted to be a lawyer at some point, And I realized uh, that I, I just didn't want to do that. And, and it wasn't about the law profession. Um, but I remember a guy coming back, one of the alums. and you know, He was probably 26, 27 years old. And I can't remember if he was working in a law firm or working Wall Street. And uh, he was making a lot of money he was miserable and just, I remember this vividly and I remember who it was. I'm not going to unveil him, but he was just miserable about, you know, his job. And I, I just remember saying, I, I want to do something that, uh, that I want to do. And I remember having a conversation with uh, coach Costi about it and you know coach Costi. I remember he said, uh, <laughs> Mike, you remember his sage advice, right? He, he said something about don't worry about the money. Just you could eat hot dogs and spaghetti for dinner and, and buy cheap beer, and that's how you'll get by. You'll be fine. And <laughs> I, uh, but I, I knew I wanted to get into coaching. I also, Chris, knew that I wanted to be an athletic director fairly early on. I, I didn't see coaching as something that I, you know, I, I saw it as a pathway uh, into administration. Um, so that's that's how I, you know, that's how I basically. You know, I, I took a I took a job right out of uh, right out of college at RPI, and it was a typical process of trying to find a job, and, and you're sending out a hundred hundred letters back then, not emails, but a hundred letters saying I heard you might have a position, I heard you uh, you know maybe have a GA position, and all these were you know they were they they were uh, you know kind of a a crapshoot. You know, you you were almost begging for a job, and you knew you were not going to get anything other than a GA. Frankly, um, there weren't a lot of Wesleyan guys in the profession at time. That time, I mean, Mike, you, Sork, Rich Beal, um, wasn't like now where you've got a lot of guys who are going into the athletics side. Uh, back then, the network isn't wasn't what it is today. Um, but no, I, I I was fortunate to uh, have Coach Spencer, who ended up knowing somebody who knew somebody and, you know, that's the way this profession works and ended up getting an interview. And um, I always laugh because I remember telling my mother that I got a job at RPI and she was so excited. She says, how much money are they going to pay you? And I said, $4,000. And she said, you're making $40,000 in your first job. And I said, no, (laughs) $4,000. So, which is what they paid me with, you know, room and board and uh, and so forth. And, and the thing I, I I was really rewarded with was I got to coach. You know, I had all the other, um, you know, all the other menial tasks that had to be done, the Xerox machine, the, you know, calling in the sandwich orders, taking the van, exchanging the film, all the other things that needed to be done. But I also got to coach a position, which which was great. So I was thrown right into the fire. Coaching guys, I had one guy who was actually older than me in that first position group, but that was uh, – that was my first job, and that was you know my, my uh, I didn't apply to anything else other than coaching when I was in when I was in college, and I'm you know kind of proud that I haven't I haven't received that you know the like Don Zimmer used to say never got a paycheck outside of baseball. And you know, I I'm, my path has been college athletics since 1991.
0: That's awesome, but you know what's interesting to me is that you know I think a lot of guys and Coach Whalen, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. A lot of Guys want to be football coaches, and they kind of go into administration because the skill sets, you know, mesh well for for such things. So universities look at football coaches as leaders, and they lead the athletic department. But you mentioned that you wanted to be where you are now and use coaching as kind of a stepping stone way to get there. Coach Whalen, I'd love to hear, you know, from your own personal experience, how did you end up, you know, in in administration? And what did you have a similar philosophy, or did you kind of – uh? Look at it in kind of the opposite way.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I was more geared, geared coaching wise, and and um, the thing from my perspective was, you know, after being in, in in the profession for, you know, close to thirty years coaching, um, you know, I, I, I felt like, you know, I, 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 wasn't sure if this was something I wanted to do till I was sixty-five years old till I could retire, you know, and that's the thing about the Division Three level is. You know, it's not like you're you're signing those big contracts, million dollar contracts like the D1 guys have, and you know maybe you can retire at 50, 55, you know, start doing some broadcasting, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, you don't have that, um, and so and football is a sport that even at the Division three level, um, you know, you uh, you got to win. If you don't win in football, you 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 know, I don't care what level you're at, you know, someone's going to be calling for your job, mm-hmm. and that's the way it is. And um, you know, so when you know, this, this, this opportunity at Wesleyan, you know, uh, you know, came about, you know, there, you know, I had an opportunity to to talk about, you know, potentially coming here for football and then transitioning to AD. And, you know, that was something that, that, that appealed to me at that particular time in my life. You know, I, I don't, you know, I think Drew, you know, kind of came out feeling like, Hey, you know, administration's where I want to be. I came out and, you know, I knew coaching is where I want to be, but I also got the master's at Springfield in athletic administration because I felt like at some point down the road administration could could become a factor for me, and it ended up doing that.
0: And so, for you, Drew, you know, you talk about wanting to go to administration. You talked about your first job at at RPI, but but tell me about how you got your first break and kind of. I mean, obviously, for the people who are listening now, if you're just joining us, Drew is the athletic director at Boston University. We're gonna to get to that in a second, but Drew, tell us how you kind of evolved and got to where you are today in administration.
2: So I uh, I stayed at RPI for three years. Um, I made five thousand my second year, so that's a pretty hefty raise when you think about it. Twenty percent, let's right? go. Twenty percent, and they they uh, I, I then moved over to a, an opportunity that was intriguing, uh, which was at Hudson Valley Community College and it was intriguing because it was going to let me still coach and I, I didn't have that out of my system um, and I was going to move in as an assistant athletic director and had a, had a real you know good physical plant there uh, an on-campus ice rink a 4,400 seat gym um, it was a division three uh, program it wasn't a junior college per se but I moved in and it was a small shop so It was, um, it was, I had a lot of hands-on administration at that point as a 24-year-old kid. um, The next year, I I actually went to Union and jumped over to Union College, coached there for two years. And I'm, you know, people say, well, you know, you're working a couple hours a week. Mike knows you're working, you're working 40 in one job and 40 in the other. Uh, it's kind of a ridiculous, ridiculous schedule. Um, But I was, I was coaching at union college and, and um, about the time the AD at at Hudson Valley went out on sick leave and I uh, moved in and had to run the show as a, again, fairly young kid. And uh, he ends up retiring. And I get the full-time gig at this point, which I'm not turning down. And I know, you know, some people would say, some of these jobs are dead ends and, I never defined the goodness of a job by the level you're at. To me, it was about athletics. It's you're still about you're, you're involved with the kids. You're still involved with facility projects. You're dealing with personnel. You're dealing with budgets. It's the same job I have now. Just the, the, I always say the commas in a different place, and you're you're uh, you're learning. That it's a great training ground, but it's the same job, you know, and the same problems that Mike has i have i had at the two-year level and it was just a just a great um you know it was a i wouldn't trade it i was glad i was there you're also impacting a lot of kids lives um and we had some success and at the same time i decided that i I, you know i i still was a little hungry and just had an opportunity to move on to uh to to be you um coming in really as the COO, the deputy AD, the number two person, if you will. And, and, um, again, it was, it was exhilarating because the AD at the time really just said to me here, you know, go run it. And he gave me a lot of responsibility, which I'm forever grateful for. Um, and, and when he left, I was fortunate enough to move over one seat and, uh, That was, I don't know, six years, seven years ago. I've lost track of time. Um, But that's really the path. That's 30 years kind of condensed, a lot of twists and turns along the way. Um, I will say this, and and I've thought about this. There have been very few times in 30 years that I have said to myself, I wish I was doing something different. You know, very few. And I'm talking maybe 10. So how many how many days is that? And only ten. And he said, "Maybe I should do something different." That's a that's a high job satisfaction rate that I think most of us have. And these you know, these jobs aren't easy. I tell people all the time they're they're not fun, but they're rewarding. It's, you know, there's a clear difference there. Um, I think they're very different right now. They're different post march than they were pre march We're we're dealing with uh, we're all playing out of position right now. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of things that we weren't classically trained uh, to do within the
1: profession and it's it's uh it's, it's about really survival right now it's a different type of management so so drew are you saying that in the uh, in the uh, ad manual that your 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 predecessor left for you they didn't leave it wasn't a chapter in there on pandemics because because I know coach biddy didn't leave one for me with, with pandemics
2: Mike i'm sh- shaking my head and you and I have talked quite a few times during this this whole affair, but I mean, there's just so much that nobody prepared for, nobody could prepare for. We never thought about it, um, you know. And that's a financial side of things. That's a uh, just crisis management. Um, there's the emotional toll that I don't think anybody was ready for, um, and that's not just on students. That's on staff. Um, there's the again the life changing decisions that you're making, and then there's that. I guess there's that introspection that you're, that you're going through of, you know, are we doing the right thing? You know, whether you play or don't play, are you doing the right thing? Um, And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, I I think people are really short with each other right now uh, across the board. I've seen good friends uh, have some words, have some real solid disagreements. And I think it's just because everybody's kind of worn out you know, we don't have it any worse than anybody don't get me wrong I, I, I this is not a, a, a sob story um, but it's it's been a challenge that's the bottom line it's been a challenge like it has for basically everybody in the world but it's 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 college athletic uh, directors are you know, you're, you're you're using a different skill set but you're you know you're really doing something different than than what you uh, what you signed up for I I am downstairs working in the dungeon and I just cleaned up some of my notes. I always make notes about you know the daily things that I have to do. I cleaned up nine pieces of paper, and every one of them has on there the word COVID. And that's <laughs> nothing else that we're dealing with right now. I mean, obviously you're for, you're still forecasting budgets, but you're forecasting a budget pursuant to COVID. You're still arranging travel. You're still you know scheduling, but it's all it's all impacted by, by this virus. And that's the way it's going to be for a little bit. I don't see this just, I don't see us getting to a clear point of, okay, it's all done. I think there'll be some, some remnants of this for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously we talked about a lot about this uh, coach and I have, you know, with a lot of our guests this year, it's such a unique year. Now what, what I'd like to know is, you know, BU is a unique school in the sense that, you know, even at a place like Wesleyan, that, that's not a Division I school, you know, football coach talked about it. The pressures of a football coach are huge. At BU, it's all about the hockey program. I mean, obviously, Boston hockey has a great tradition with the Beanpot and with all the, the great traditional Boston hockey schools. Talk about as someone who didn't, you know, play hockey in college, but, you know, and, and who was had a football background, what it was like when you first walked into BU and, and you're, you're amassed in this just crazy hockey tradition, what that's like on a day-to-day basis during the winter when, you know, that's the sole focus I'd imagine of the majority of, uh, of the, the boosters and the people that care most about BU care most about BU hockey.
2: Yeah. Now's the time for me to give you kind of my elevator speech to tell you that we got 23 other teams as well. And that, right. Right. A lot of them are really successful on the national level. And, you know, I think, Chris, you started this by saying we're kind of unique. You know, we don't have a football team. Right. Got a you know a hockey team uh, that has a tradition that is you know really second to none. Um, but we've got a we've got a lot of other teams that, that can make a splash on the national level. Um, and at the same time, hockey's our most visible uh, sport, and a lot of that's due to the history. A lot of that's due to you know just the the, the, the winning. Uh, history a lot of it's due to you know geography um, but no, we, we <laughs> I always tell people that I don't know if you could be the ad at bu if you didn't love hockey and that's something that you know I grew up everybody who grows up in the Boston area you know knows the game of hockey to some degree so it's not foreign to me and and uh, at the same time um, you know we it's it's a valuable property for you hockey I'm talking about BU men's hockey and BU women's hockey. Um, But no, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't culture shock to me to have to administer that. Uh, I will say that it's a connected group. Um, We've got a fan base that extends years back that uh, cares about BU hockey greatly. Uh, The hockey landscape has changed a little bit over the, you know, over the years, but certainly we still occupy uh, prime real estate. But, we also I, I would say I don't make any decisions different for hockey than we do for the other programs. Um, you know, whether that's COVID related or whether that's day-to-day uh administration. And and I, I again I think they're you know, they're they're visible. Um people know who they are. A lot of them are gonna go on and play in the NHL but but we treat them um like we treat Every other one of our, you know, 575 athletes, and and I'm proud of that uh, as well. So I think we run, you know, we run the hockey program like it's part of the department. It's not a separate entity. Entity. It's, um, you know, they go to the same meetings. Uh, the kids have the same responsibilities. The same expectations for them. So it's it's not a sidecar at all. It's part of the part of the fabric of not just the department, but of the of the university. I think that's the way to run it. And I think. You know, you look back, um, you look back at your own experience, you know, as part of the department. And there are certain expectations. Doesn't matter what sport you're playing, um, you know, you're going to go to class. Uh, you're going to be a good citizen, and you know, we, we have we have a million meetings that we expect our kids to be at. Sometimes too many, but there's no free passes for any of our sports. Um, no matter what your, you know, no matter what your uh,
1: your level of professional aspiration maybe drew we we've we've talked a lot about um you know at different times uh either i'm running a search and i'm calling you to ask you questions whether it's not so much necessarily about candidates but uh just could be about kind of what you look for and you know in a certain sport you know and and, and vice versa and um, you know i know we both share that sentiment of Um, you know, we're, we're, we're very, we, we approach, we approach hiring coaches much like we do recruiting. Like it's, it's, it's not just posting the job and see who applies. It's like, you got to go out, you got to find, you know, applicants that you think are going to be impactful in your program. And, and I know you've done that. So talk to us about some of those, some of those hires that you've brought to be you and the success they've had. I'll talk generically
2: just about the hiring process, and i, I think so many words and you know ideals are, are, are cliche, but I don't think the word "fit" is is overrated. Um, I think it's important that when we're going to hire somebody, that they they not only fit with the mission of the institution, with the institutional uh, ideal, but they have to fit with the people in the department. It's kind of a puzzle, and you know you're creating combustible situations if if people are going to come in and. and they're, they're going to be different than what you're expecting, and they're going to think they're going to run their own, uh, their own um, ship. Um, we'll use our coaches extensively in the, in the search. And I remember uh, we had one coach who, I won't give up their identity, but I used him to hire, uh, the, to, to help hire, and I said to him, you're not going to make this call but I will allow you to tell me if you don't like somebody and don't think they fit. And if you tell me that we won't hire them because it's important to me that you two can coexist and can, can run essentially one program to share a facility and you know, share a lot of uh, resources and um, kind of you know, share a common, uh, share a common bond. And I, I thought it was important enough to find out um, what, what he had to say. We ended up hiring her. And it was based on the fact that he said, this is, this is a wonderful fit. Um, again, my call, but I'm going to, I'm going to seek that input. Um, we had a, we had a a search a couple years ago that I remember, uh, very well. Uh, and I, the guy's resume was unbelievable. It was the best resume we had by far and away. And it was long and and just, just volumes of accomplishments. And everybody told me, this guy's great, this guy's great. And I remember thinking to myself, I just don't see this fit right now. But I'm hearing from everybody else, I remember calling our basketball coach the next morning. And I said, Joe, help me out here. I said, "Uh, I'm just not seeing that this is a good good fit. And maybe I'm just missing it. And he said, no way. He said, just not going to work. And that was the end of it. You know, and I, I basically confirmed my gut, uh, but I'll use the, those existing puzzle pieces to find out: is this what we're looking for? Because the coaches, they you know, they don't have a, a, a separate culture. There might be a subculture, but they know what we they know what we're driving for. They know what we want. They know um, what it's like to, to coach these student athletes. And somebody from the outside, um, you know, it's pro- sometimes best judged by the by the coach, but. Now, we've we've made some hires I think that there's uh, one of the things about BU that is unique is that we've had some coaches who've stayed for a long time and that doesn't happen at the division one as you guys know um, you know we're talking about 30 years at times Our women's soccer coaches she's in year I believe 26 our field hockeys in year 30 something we have been here a while our men's soccer coach just retired uh, after you know close to 40 years um, and our men's basketball coach has been here for 10 and we, you know, these are, these are things that are good because I think they find a place and they say, look, I've got a good job. It's a good level. I love the kids. I love the academic athletic mix. And it's gotta be a pretty special opportunity for me, you know, for me to leave is what they, what they say. Uh, But no, we, we've, we're probably going through, I don't know, one search every, every year. Um, You know, by some, happenstance, whatever the reason is. Uh, And again, I think you spend a lot of time. It's like, it's like studying for an exam, right? You got to invest, you got to do your homework. You got to check the person out. And this business is so connected. You hear everything you need to know about, you know, everybody, because everybody weighs in with a, with an opinion and you're going to get calls from people that they're going to find your cell phone just through, uh, through that two degrees of separation. So um, it's, it's not a, Sometimes not a fun process. Um, we try not to rush it too. I will. I will say that. I think um, sometimes you you uh, try to get somebody to hit that recruiting, you know, that that, that recruiting period that's going to start, or you, you try to get somebody in as a quick replacement. And I just think it's it's too valuable of a hire to rush it. And I heard a president years ago. They said you got to have your you know you got to have your basketball coach hired. And he says, uh, "I don't think we're going to drift into the Eastern Seaboard if we don't have our basketball coach hired in three days." So, you know, it, it's pretty methodical, um, but it, 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 you know, you you do have to take your you do have to take your time, um, otherwise you're going to end up with a bad fit. And look, I, it's just my opinion. You see some of these coaches who, let's face it, you win a job, you win a game as a 15 seed in the basketball tournament everybody falls in love with that coach and they win another game and what happens they get a job that's better you know triples their pay and they take the job and you know they' they're out of coat they're out of that job three years later so this says what happened what happened is they, they won two games and they got hired for a job they probably shouldn't have got hired for and again that's not my judgment it's just more of my comment that it's got to be more than two games that you're hiring somebody based on.
0: So I got a I got a question for you, Drew. Just just out of curiosity, As someone who who competed in the Little 3 and someone who's been around the Beanpot? Um, you know, the Beanpot is one of those things that like people who aren't from really the greater Boston area aren't that familiar with, but it's a huge deal to all of those schools. Can you kind of talk about and describe what that, you know, that weekend is like, what that's like when the Beanpot is going on and and you know, what it's like for all the schools and how important it is and how it kind of parallels the Little 3?
2: Yeah, it's it's tough to explain to the outsider, right? That's the, the best way to put it. That it's uh, it's two hockey games in February, go back you know over fifty years, and um, it's it's all the schools that are essentially within walking distance um, with each other to each other, and you know I think it started on a whim, but it grew into this really really uh, important and historic event. I want to say Sports Illustrated added it as one of their top ten best college events um at one point and you know there was a point where everybody on the team you know, so say there were 100 guys on four teams there were probably 95 guys from new england on those teams and so it became this great gathering spot that you'd go see your high school you know kid who played on your high school team you would go with your high school buddies and you know everybody had gone to the bean pot at some point and uh in their in their life growing up and it it is important i mean it doesn't matter what your record is it doesn't you know matter uh, at all it's 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 a real important uh uh game and guys want to win it um you know like a regular tournament i will say that i've seen it kind of change over the years um we've had we've had some times that the attendance wasn't wasn't what it used to be of course it you know, it used to be in the old Boston Garden. Um, you know, in times that we've said, hey, if people, what do they think of the beanpot? Um, the last couple of years has been pretty special. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of changes, right? you got you got to look at something. It can't be the way it was 50 years ago, 60 years ago. It evolves, it changes. Uh, of course, it's on TV. You know, it's on uh, high-definition Nessun, and they do a wonderful job. Um, but I think we've had, you know, we've had... Uh, the last couple years, it's been a special event and special events. I always say to our staff, I don't have to see an event. I can hear it. And so when you walk into a building and you're, you know, you're underneath and you can hear just how raucous the crowd is, it doesn't matter how many people are there. And again, it's been the last couple of years have been really good. Last year we lost a heartbreaker um, in overtime and I won't comment on officials uh, and and talk about bad calls, but I'll just say that we lost in overtime. And we, uh, at the same time, we were so upset at the end of it because, again, it was exhilarating to see that our kids really wanted to win it, no matter where they're from. Because it's not that 95 guys from New England, England, it's guys from all over the world. And whether it's Texas, Arizona, or Finland, you know, you're not dealing with guys from, you know, necessarily Medford and uh, Arlington and, and, and so forth. It's 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 a pretty uh, it's a pretty scattered group. But but Chris, it's a it's a special event. It's tough to explain to others if they haven't experienced it. And I feel the same way about the little three. You know, people have said that for years, well it's only you know, you're playing two other teams. Tough to tough to explain to the unconverted, right?
1: No question about it, and and uh, so Drew, does it does it? Do, do you always like in the, in the first round? Do, does it rotate who you play, or is it you always? How, how does that work? No, it rotates. It, uh, it, it's
2: just based on a pure uh, rotation, and that that's it. it. What we've had a lot of discussion about, which isn't you know, fancy or anything, is who actually gets that second game. And we try to we try to make an informed decision about what's the you know, what's the best attendance going to be, and, and Know, what's the, just the best matchup of that that first round uh,
1: that first round draw? I mean, I'm sure most of our most of our listeners are, know know the four schools, but it's BU, BC, Northeastern, and uh, Harvard. In Harvard. Harvard, right, right. So pretty story history,
2: and, and we're not going to play it this year. Uh, we've right. already announced that we're not going to play it this year, and that you know we had a lot of conversations about that. Frankly, people talked about replacing. Um, Harvard announced that they weren't playing, and uh, people talked about, hey, is there a replacement for Harvard? And you know, frankly, I, I don't think so at all. I, don't, I think the Beanpot's the Beanpot because of those four schools, and there's really no replacement. And it. you know, it's not the Beanpot. <laughs> That's as simple as that. Call it what you want, but it's not the Beanpot.
0: Yeah, and you know, hockey is one of those sports too. It's gotten. College hockey has gotten bigger over the last few years, and there's the profile has changed, obviously. It's expanded to the West with some of the Colorado schools, and you've even got some local schools like AIC and Quinnipiac that have really come out of nowhere. But, I mean, to have, uh, I don't know, you'd know the number better than me, but I'd say, what is there, like 60 Division One programs? And to have four within shouting distance of each other with the kind of tradition, it's really a, it's a pretty unique thing. I mean, it's, it's really not comparable to much else in, in the landscape of all of college sports.
2: No, I would agree. I would agree. And, and, and Chris, your, your point about uh, hockey, you know, kind of the landscape changing and schools that can compete, I mean, there, it, there's a relatively small amount of schools right around the 60 mark where basketball's got 350 at the Division One level. And in hockey, everyone feels that they've got a chance to kind of shine a light on their institution. And schools, that have, uh, schools have invested money in their hockey program that built magnificent facilities, they've paid coaches, and again, it's it's changed. It's 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 prolific across the country, and you know the pockets are different than they than they were even ten years ago of, of you know where the talent is. But again, the Beanpot is uh, is special, and when we resume in twenty twenty two, it'll be uh, it'll be special again.
0: Very good, everyone joining us. We are talking to Class of ninety one, Drew Marichello is joining us. He is the Athletic Director at Boston University. We got two ads with us. We've got a silent producer and we've got an annoying host. A perfect connection for everyone listening at home to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box score. Um, you know, Drew, we're gonna we're gonna get close to wrapping this up, but before we do, we'd like to ask, you know, all of our guests, um, you know, kind of talk about if you were to go back and what you know now, what you would tell some of the, the current student athletes at Wesley and something that maybe you didn't know back in the early nineties that you know now if you were to go back and kind of do it all over again.
2: Something I would tell them—I don't know if it's something I didn't know then, but I—I I would tell—I would tell folks: don't chase a job for money. Um, I've seen too many people try to make career choices too early on uh, in their on their career path, just because of money, and I think it's impacted their ultimate path. And probably their path to uh, uh, to, to success. Um, one of the things that I've seen, and I actually <laughs> this is not an original thought. I, I got it from uh, Coach Belichick. I had written him a letter when I was a senior in college, and he was uh, with Cleveland. He had just gotten the job um, after being the Giants' DC. And, uh, he wrote me back, and I was seeking advice. And, he basically told me all these opportunities are precious because they're limited. And I, I think, you know, if you're if you're looking at getting into college athletics, there's a finite amount of, of jobs. You know, you can, you can work somewhere else that, you know, they're going to bring in 30,000 jobs into a city. That, that's not the way college athletics works. You know, there's one AD at Westland, right? So the associate ADs and people on a senior staff, but, not talking about a lot of opportunities and those opportunities are limited and i think people you know they sometimes feel that hey if i'm not you know at this, this school that everybody's heard of and if i'm not playing on tv every week that it's not an important job and that's just not true it's these jobs are are they're precious they're special um and they're all impactful in their own way and i, I feel that way about uh about really every role within college athletics but they're you know it's not an easy it's not an easy route but i think people uh people need to realize just how limited they are and how, how,
1: how special that the, uh, the opportunities are when you get one. you got to take advantage of it. And, Drew, I think, you know, we, we, um, we always ask our guests, you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, the things, you know, how Wesleyan prepared you and what you learned at Wesleyan. You know, obviously, there's no athletic administration major. There's no PE at Wesleyan. But, you know, the liberal arts education, talk about, you know, how – you know, what you learned at Wesleyan and how that prepared you for, you know, your career and and, and and the track that you've been on. Mike, I didn't know you were going to ask that question, but I actually think about that a
2: lot you know, by, by myself with my own thoughts. And I've thought about it a lot over the, over the years. And I think I've thought about it pursuant to what happens if I went, what would have happened if I went somewhere else? What would, what would my path be like? Um, and and more especially, what would I be like? And I think I think we're probably, at least I hope, we're all different than we were when we were 19, 20, 21. Um, but I look back at, at um, the things that I learned along the way that helped prepare me. Um, and it's frankly one of the reasons that I'm so fond of the institution is because I proud of, you know, what it taught me and what I learned there. And I I think it's made me a better administrator. I think I'm tolerant. Um, I think I understand the differences that exist within people and different opinions. Um, I think, I think Wesleyan teaches you to see things differently, um, to be a critical thinker, you know, and, and when you're you're in administration, you've got to make decisions. Sometimes those involve critical thought and it teaches you how to kind of develop a a thought pattern. And I also think that it, it it teaches you a world's view, right? That's how I kind of look at my experience there is that I saw these different cultures that I can't say I was fully prepared for all these just based on, where I grew up, what, what the setting was like, um, and it was completely different for me. And I'm so glad I experienced that. I really am so glad that I uh, experienced that because I think, it, um, I think it's helped me along the way. Um, it's helped me, you know, not just professionally, but personally. And that's why I'm so grateful for, you know, that, that experience. It wasn't always easy at all, um, and at the same time, um, tremendously uh, rewarding. And to think think about the things that I learned that, that you don't even know you're learning them while you're learning, them, right? You look back 10 years later and you say, that's a, that's a pretty special way to, uh, to absorb something and, and to, uh, to grow from it.
0: Coach, Sounds I think good. I think it's that time, coach. What do you think?
1: I I totally agree, Chris. All Chris, right, we're going to we're going to enter the gauntlet. Drew, oh here's
0: all what right. we're going to do. We're going to ask you 10 questions. They're all Wesleyan-based questions. We just want you to answer with the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? We don't need, you know, quicker, is better. Just fire them off. Whatever first pops up, just let it go, okay? Sound good? I'm ready. All right, you say that now, but you don't know the questions we're going to ask. I don't ask, know so. that. I'm ready, though. I'm ready. <laughs> if, you, if you did your prep work, you'd know the questions we were going to ask. But the, something tells me Coach wants to – co- coach, coach is calling the zone defense with the auto lighting out there. He's trying to get there a play call in. There you go. All right, All right Coach, trying to get the timeout. Go ahead, Coach. You're up. I'll start
1: it off. I'll start it off. Softball, softball. We're going softball. Here you go. Favorite professor at West? Russ Murphy. Nice, love Russ. Good man. That's a a great one. Love it.
2: I won't ask how many times you took (laughs) him. (laughs) Who
0: Who was the most influential person in your life?
1: Mother, father, grandmother. Three way tie. So we know what your first graduation, your your first job after graduation from West was, but what was the first paying job that you had in your life growing up? And what? How old were you?
2: So as, a, I guess a paper route. Sure, that counts. That was kind of under the table, though, so I don't know if I. want <laughs> uh, I think the
1: I think the IRS can only go back so far.
2: I mean, yeah, that, I'd say. If, I'd say that I delivered the Boston Globe. It was my first. Uh, my first cash job and my first <laughs> check job was at Brigham's as the grill coordinator. Nice.
0: The grill coordinator, fantastic. <laughs>
2: Self-dubbed, by the
0: way. (laughs) Of course you were. If you were forced to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? Colby. Good answer. Uh,
2: I, I would say... I would say Amherst because I coached with the athletic director a long time ago, and I would root for him. And... We did beat Amherst while I was there. We never beat Williams, so that still still bothers me, so I'm not going to root for Williams.
1: All right. When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Cowboy. Cowboy. Nice. How about that?
2: that
1: that's good.
0: You talking like, like Roger Staubach, or are you talking like... You know, I, I, <laughs> Roger Staubach is one of my all-time
2: favorites. I wanted to be a cowboy when I was five, like a Wild West cowboy. Okay. But I know for a fact that changed when I was six because (laughs) I was 75 and the Red Sox were in the World Series and I wanted to be a baseball player from that point on. All right.
0: What's the single best piece of advice you've received in your life?
2: That I actually took or just so that I've heard. (laughs) Um, You keep up with people Monday through Friday, but you outwork them on
1: Saturday and Sunday. Nice. like it. Uh, in three words, describe your Wes experience.
2: Challenging. Enlightening. And rewarding. Nice.
0: What do you miss most about Wesleyan?
2: You know, I probably should say a class that influenced me or I probably should uh, say, you know, just a Saturday football game. But I think if I could go back and just be on campus, I just want to sit on Foss Hill at some point um, while there's a baseball game going on. I mean, it was a pretty carefree festive, uh, rewarding time.
0: Festive.
2: One of those places that I, I just think of that is, you know, we, we went back for a reunion years ago and we just kind of hung out there. It was, it just kind of, it brings back a lot of great memories. Ma- made for a nice
1: spring. Made for a nice spring. Sure did. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what's the best Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years? Can be anything associated with Wesleyan. So I'm going to stay on the athletic side, and
2: I thought I would say once I saw us win the little three that that would not be taught. What's it been three times now, Mike? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, thirteen was the first. Is that correct? First since '69. Yep. Yeah. I remember that well. Um, I i have to say it's been taught by a couple of national titles. though. Yeah. Which I think just says, speaks volumes about you know, where the program is and you know, the direction that it's taken and the leadership, uh, at the school and in the department. And I just think that when, when Wesleyan can win national championships, that's, uh, without sacrificing anything too. right. It's not like you hope changed any of, uh, the makeup, any of what the school, what the fabric of the school is, still want. I think that's
1: pretty special. Tough to talk. I know. I know Coach Raber and Coach Freed would appreciate that. So I'll pass that on to them.
0: Uh, Here, here's the last one. This is this is a big one. Ed. you know, present company excluded, but I'm I'm not holding you to that. You can answer present company if you want. Who is the one Wes alum you'd most like to have dinner with?
2: Well, the easy answer would be Coach Belichick. Mike has already promised me that at some point in the future, so I'm <laughs> going to back burner that one. I would say Landman
0: Weldon. <laughs> go on! But,
2: but I don't want to talk about Hamilton. I want to talk about Kerb and his episode there. Yeah. His, his appearance is there because he was great, but I'll actually even go to uh, Joe Dalton, class of 91 who I grew up with, um, we went to high school and college together. We've been trying to get together for two years for dinner and just haven't made it work. So I might go to Dalton as a default because I think he's easy. <laughs> that's, a,
0: that's a great answer because let me tell you, Lynn manuel has a lot of check marks in this game so far. So. Is that right? Yeah, so I think Mr. Dalton would appreciate that, getting a little love outside of the box. You have exactly. gone through the gauntlet, my friend. You are clear great. and finished.
1: Made it. All right. Great job. Great job.
0: Coach, you got anything, uh, anything for Drew before we wrap this up?
1: No, I think we're good.
0: Well, with that said, we'd like to once again thank our guest today, Class of '91, current athletic director at Boston University, and maybe the the best blocking wide receiver in the Veer that Wesleyan has ever had. Of course, we're talking about Drew Marichello. Drew, thank you for being a part of our podcast, and all the best in the 2021 season and and hopefully coach and i can get up there and see the Bean Pot when it comes back in 2022
2: you guys are always welcome this has been a lot of fun i appreciate you having me so thank you
0: we appreciate you for being on our show for drew for coach mike whalen and of course for mike o'brien you don't know what he sounds like but stay tuned you'll hear his voice at some point i'm chris grace you've been listening to chris and coach beyond the box score the only official weston university athletics podcast until next time so long everybody